If I've not met you, my name is uh, Rich Doring. I have the privilege of being the, the lead pastor here at uh, Real Life. We're thrilled to have you with us and uh, be able to worship with us. And uh, if you would fill out that welcome card if you're a, a guest, we would absolutely just love to connect with you and uh, just be able to share a little bit of life with you. Before I, uh, before I jump in really quick, uh, if you weren't here and you didn't see the video at the beginning, uh, we, uh, we saw our Kidsmen Director, Courtney Brown. She is leading our kids camp this year, a few days in June, where we just celebrate and have a good time. And uh, when you gather that many kids together, you never know exactly what you're going to get. And it's usually a pretty good adventure. But uh, I want to encourage you to stop by that uh, shack. It's like a beach shack out front. You might dream about the beach, you might, oh, whatever. But if you go out there, there are these fish on the net. And for instance, this one says 150 ounce, not 50 ounce, do not bring 50 ounce drinking cups. That's a lot of Kool-Aid for one kid, okay? <laughs> uh, 105 ounce drinking cups. There's all kinds of these fish out there on that net hanging there. Grab one of those. These are just some supplies for that week. And while you're out there, grab one of those little baggies that has some Swedish fish and stuff like that in it. Use that as an invitation to invite some neighborhood kids or, or whoever to be a part of kids camp this year. It's going to be a really, really good time. So make sure you jump on that. All right. So before we get started here, there's been probably a couple times in my life um, really just a few times where I felt like my life personally was actually truly in danger, that I was at a risk of losing my life. Now, I am embarrassed and I don't make light of losing your life, but the times when the, those things happened in my life were usually because of something I was doing that um, expressed that I was not the brightest human being on the planet in that moment. And uh, for instance, situations like uh, when I was in high school and my buddy and I took my mom's 1992 Chevy Lumina Eurosport and decided to go out into the country, driving at about 120 miles an hour before we hit a crossroads and launched into the air uh, quite some distance and then turned around and did it again. <laughs> and my parents looking at me wondering, when did he get the brain damage that makes him think that these things are okay? Or there's like the time when I was in college where uh, I thought it would be a really good idea at 2 o'clock in the morning, in the middle of a snowstorm, in a 1990, or sorry, 1984 Toyota Corona. Did you even know those existed? Corollas, but it's a Corona. It's one step down. <laughs> a Toyota Corona, 1984 Toyota Corona with one blinking headlight in a snowstorm, two o'clock in the morning, took, took six hours that normally took two hours, and I walk in, and my parents, again, looking at me, and they're like, yeah, there is something wrong with him, that he would make these kind of decisions. I, I was risking my life just to get home. Uh, but then, on a more serious note, really, those instances that, that happened in my life, I was doing something that was negligent. I was doing something that wasn't real smart. But then there are those moments in life where things just kind of happen to you, regardless of what you did. And uh, there was a summer in college, and uh, a few buddies and I decided to go down to uh, Missouri. And in Missouri, my, my friend, his grandpa had a ranch. 
And so we went down there. We were going to stay in a trailer on the ranch just for a few days, and we felt like we'd earned that after such a hard year in college. And so we were down there riding horses, all kinds of stuff. Well, one night we decided that we needed to do some night fishing. And so there was a big lake on the edge of his property. And so we got into this little aluminum boat and it had a little trolling motor, all our fishing gear and everything. And this is like before, I, I didn't have a cell phone for another 10 years probably. So this was, this was way back. We didn't have weather on our phones and all that stuff. We get out there, it's pitch black. We have a lantern and next thing you know, everything breaks loose. I mean, just the thunder and the lightning. Next thing you know, there's hail, there's wind. Pretty soon our lantern goes out, it gets wet, and the rain was coming down so profusely, we, we literally could not even see anything. And all of a sudden, we're just blowing. We're blowing around, and next thing you know, I reach back to get the trolling motor just soon enough to feel it, literally because of the drag, wrenched off of the end of the boat, and it just went right into the water. And so all of a sudden, here we are, these three guys. One of them may have started crying. This will go out online, so I'm not going to say which one. They know who they are. Uh, but it was, it was literally just hold on. And between lightning flashes, we could see literally the distance growing between us and where we had been. We just were drifting so far away. And the waves, and, and then we started looking around, and because of the rain, the boat was literally filling up with water, and we were in trouble. And of course, maybe this, this is the ignorant part, no life jackets, of course. I mean, why would, we're a bunch of dudes out on a boat. We knew what we were doing. So here we are, we're blowing, we're blowing, we're blowing. Thankfully, all of a sudden we hit a tree that was hanging over into the lake, grabbed that tree, pulled ourselves to the shore, and then here we are, we're in the mud, we're in the reeds, we've got this water swamped boat, and we start dragging this boat through the water and through the reeds, trying to make our way around this lake, and finally, way off in the distance, way off in the distance, we see his grandpa's headlights show up. He knew we were out there, and he came looking for us, and so we knew where to go, but we, it took like an hour for us to finally trudge through everything and get that boat back to the boat ramp. It was not until the next morning that we saw there was a tornado that came through. And literally there were trees down everywhere, paths were washed out, and then we looked at the boat. The boat was, it only had a few inches not underwater. And it was all banged up and, and everything, trolling motor gone. And we realized in that moment, really, we were, we were in danger of losing our lives in that moment. We come to a turning point in the book of Revelation. The vision, this is just a reminder, the revision of Revelation is an invitation to participate in the inbreaking hope of God's new creation. So today we're going to look at one of my favorite passages. Uh, this is a favorite passage of mine because I struggle with hope. Hope is not something that comes easy to me. Uh, most of you, I think, when you talk to me or you meet me, I'm, I'm a cheery guy. Part of that's my job. I, get, I have to, like be on, but I do. I, I struggle with hope. Um, do you? Don't you ever struggle with hope? Sometimes this world, even the circumstances I face, feel like I'm on that lake, and just like a wave after wave of life just keeps hitting you, right? And you didn't do anything to get that, but it just keeps hitting you, and all you can do, honestly, in that moment is just sit there and hold on, 
and you can hope. You can hope that this is going to end well. <laughs> but unfortunately, one of my patterns I've noticed in my life, and I, I hate this, I hate to admit this, but honestly, in those moments when I think I'm invited to have a little bit of hope, I end up giving in to fear. I give in to fear. What if this happens? What if this doesn't get better? What if that takes place? What if? All the what ifs. Do you ever experience that? Again, last week, we see this senseless, hate-filled murder uh, become just another thing, right, in the news cycle. Wars, refugees, political polarization, genocide, whatever it is, name it. Uh, Conflict, disorder, anger, hate, sickness, disaster. It's chaos. It's complete chaos. Not to mention, like, our own drama. I don't know about you. I got drama. You got drama in your life? I've got drama. That's not to mention our own chaos. So just like the storm that's on that lake, you never know when life is going to turn. Unemployment, sickness, a marriage that falls apart, a child that wanders away from you or from faith, even death. The world is chaotic. The world is unpredictable. So what is the call of the church in the middle of all of that? I'm going to guess it's not to add to the chaos. That's not the call of the church. What is your call in the midst of that? Because you and I are the church. It's simply this. The church is invited to live in hope, not fear. The church is invited to live in hope and not fear. If God is bringing about a new creation like we've been talking about in the book of Revelation, we need to understand actually another creation story. So there's an author's name, Sky Jatani. I've really come to appreciate him. He's pointed out the following. Let me read this for you. He said, the ancient Israelites viewed the sea as chaos and disorder. We think about the ocean as a place to vacation. The Israelites did not. They believed it was, so, it was such a realm of chaos and disorder, it was opposed to their God and of order and beauty. So throughout the scriptures, the seas sometimes are depicted in negative terms. So you have Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You see it on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay. The world was formless. It was dark. God hovered over the waters, and then God speaks. And the water separates from the land. Light separates from darkness. Order begins to emerge in a void of order. Order begins to emerge in chaos. And God does all of this and says, you know what, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. And then he's got a garden. The the antithesis of disorganization. The antithesis of chaos. It's beautiful. It's orderly. It's plentiful. Order and beauty and plenty. Where previously... There had been no order, no beauty, no plenty. 
So God places us, he places humanity in this garden with a job. Continue God's order and beauty and plenty throughout the whole world. We know the story. Uh, This whole thing works when we remember that the lamb is the one who gets to sit on the throne. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about worship. If you weren't here, go back, listen to it. But we talked about the fact that, that all of creation, even today, right now, is circling around a throne. It only works when it's the lamb who's seated on the throne, not us. Not us. But somewhere in the midst of the first creation, the water separates from the land, all those things take place. Instead, they thought that that throne maybe had some room for them on it, too. And so they took occupation, or they thought they did, and what they created in thinking that their spot was on the throne is what you and I experience today. This brokenness, this chaos, we experience the storm. From order, it went literally from the order God created to disorder. But if you follow Scripture, you see a God who continues, even in the midst of that, to pursue us in the storm. So God is pursuing us in the storm. He's bringing order out of chaos even today. Do you believe that? I want you to pause for a second before you would respond. What we really believe, what we really believe, usually comes out in the words we choose and the attitudes that we have and the actual behaviors of our life. That's what we really believe. Do you believe today that God is actively at work bringing beauty out of the ugliness that you see? Do you believe God is really today creating plenty where there seems to be scarcity? Life where there seems to be death? Do you believe that? I was going through my social media this week and uh, I saw a video. It was a black reporter uh, and he was outside of the friendly market in Buffalo. That's the name of it, the Friendly Market. The Friendly Market in Buffalo, and uh, that was where a white man, having written this racist manifesto, laced with lies and conspiracy theories, uh, he let loose chaos. It was chaos. And I don't remember the reporter's name, but his words were about how over 15 times now he has been on the scene of either a mass shooting or a horrific hate crime and having to reiterate facts in the news cycle. And he started breaking up. He started falling apart. And he, he, he paused a little bit. And these are the words that he said as he was fighting back tears. He said, is this the way we're supposed to live? Are we destined to keep doing this? And then he said, is this who we're going to be? And then he just fell apart. He had to walk away. In our polarization and hate and vitriol and seeming incapability to even do anything together, um, it would appear chaos is actually the norm. That chaos is the norm. I mean, when the storms come, is there any hope that things might be different? As you look at the world around you, (laughs) 
I mean, is there anything in this world that you think, oh, that's the answer? That, that person right there, they've got it. They're the one. Is there any hope that there would be any order or beauty or peace? If the church, if the church is being invited to live in hope and not fear, we need to understand a few things. And the first is this, there is only one. There is only one who can speak over the waters of creation and bring order out of chaos, then that's the person who's going to bring the hope that we need. That's the only source of it. The only source of it. Okay, which feels like a really preachy thing to say. God's not just with you in the storm. He is the storm. Isn't that cool? It's like you walked into Hobby Lobby and saw that and just had to buy it and put it on your wall or something. That, that sounds, that, that whole thing, you know, the one who could speak over the waters and bring order out of chaos can provide the hope you need. Mm, hashtag blessed, all that, you know, all of it. And that would sound like such a super weird, saccharine, sweet ugh, thing if it weren't for Jesus. <laughs> if it weren't for Jesus, because God does this thing. He does this thing where he enters the storm. He actually shows up. Number two, he enters the storm. So God is like this mother, okay? God is like a mother. The baby is crying in the nursery. And the mother does not try to console the baby in their hunger through the baby monitor. No, a loving and caring mother does what? Enters in. Enters in to bring nourishment, to meet the need. Or it's like, like somebody hanging by one hand off of a cliff, getting ready to die if their hand slips, and a bystander coming by, seeing that, and grabbing a, a sign and, and writing on it, please don't go near the cliffs. But is that not how we treat God sometimes? And that's not God at all. That is not God at all. No, our God, he comes, he hangs off the cliff, puts his hand in our hand, and lifts us up. That's called hope because of presence. We have a hope because God's with us in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. God with man. He enters the storm. And wouldn't you know that Jesus, of course, models this beautifully for us a couple different times in Scripture, but one is this radically important moment where he calms a storm, <laughs> where the rain comes and the wind blows and the waves are getting ready to threaten all of these people who love him. And they say to him, Jesus do you even care? Have you ever been there? Where you are going through something, all you can do is hang on, and you just kind of wonder in the back of your mind, okay, does God even care about what's going on to me right now? Right this moment, where is he? If he does care, where is he? And what does Jesus do? Jesus stands up in the boat, and he says, be still, everything is still, he calms the storm. Where does he do this from? He doesn't do this from the shore. He doesn't do this from heaven somewhere. He does it from in the boat. He's in the middle of it with them. God with man. Order, order from chaos. The same God with me and with you, whatever the storm is that you're going through, my chaos. <laughs> when you get the news that, that you knew already 
You knew it. You knew it. But you were trying to believe that it was not true. When the relationship fails, when you start getting panic attacks, when there's death, when there's pain, when there's struggle, God is there, listen, creating. He's actually creating. Follow me here. Every single person has a story. Uh, every story has storms. They just do. If you, if you have a life that's never had anything go wrong, good grief, tell us the secret. You know, go on to TikTok and advertise and do whatever. I, I, tell us, how does that work? Okay. Every life has storms. Every story has storms. Some of you, the waves have been coming for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and it just doesn't feel like that storm's ever going to go away. Have you ever felt that? He's in the boat with you. He's in the boat with you. I mentioned um, we'd be looking at one of my favorite scriptures today. We've not gotten to it yet. <laughs> um, it's a favorite, and I told you because I struggle with hope. I really do. Uh, last week, Pastor Ben did, a, ben did an amazing job uh, dealing with some hard scripture, and he highlighted five marks that the church should have, marks of the Lamb that the church should have in the world we live in today. And one of those marks was hope. And when we were in our life group last Sunday afternoon, one of the questions that Pastor Ben had written in the outline was, which one of these five marks do you struggle with the most? <laughs> and I'm the life group leader. And so we all kind of went around a little bit, and then finally I just thought, I, you know, this is why we have life groups. And so I was like, hey, man, I, I struggle with hope. I had to admit that. I struggle with hope, the mark of hope. And so, I think it's really important sometimes to just let the hope of God just wash over you. I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Because in the beginning, God created. But in the end, you have Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth, they'd passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Then he says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, hey, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write it down. <laughs> it's as good as done. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Did you see it in there? There will no longer be any sea. No more storm. 
No more chaos. Church, we don't fear because this hope-bringing God is still creating. He is creating still. This week, one of my walks, uh, I was listening to a podcast about anxiety in teenagers. Because when you go on a walk, the best way to enjoy it is to listen to the podcasts about anxiety in teenagers. Uh, the woman that was a guest on this podcast, her name was Karen Powell, or Kara Powell, and uh, she's from the Fuller Institute of Youth, and, and uh, she's a great lady. I actually had the opportunity three weeks ago to hear her in person in Atlanta at a conference, and uh, she was sharing about some of the, the triggers that are going on in the lives of teenagers now uh, in post, kind of still maybe in pandemic mode, and all the upheaval in the world and, and everything else. And what are some of these tr anxiety triggers that are unique to youth today? And one of the topics that came up was fear. That fear is a, a, a anxiety trigger in a lot of young people today. And here's the reality, you and I, we live in a world where fear is a currency. People are bought and sold by peddling fear. Uh, and as today's youth who don't, and no offense if you're a youth, you've not gone through life to gain some skills to cope with the things that life will throw at you. You're learning those right now. And so in the midst of that, what happens is you look around and you should be able to look at people like me. You should be able to look at adults in your life. And when they do, they're not getting much hope. <laughs> They're getting something else. Instead, they see the adults in their lives being purchased with fear, bought with fear. Political loyalties are bought through fear. News outlets buy your attention through fear. Even some religion buys you through peddling fear. You see it, our youth see it, in how we speak to other people, the posts we make on social media. What is the point? The youth of today who are desperately seeking the coping skills in the chaos that they see around them aren't seeing hope modeled. Even our Christian youth are not seeing hope being modeled. Instead, they see fear and they see anger as well, which tends to sometimes be a close companion to fear. What they should see in here, listen, our models of the hope that we have that there is actually one who is creating order in the chaos, who will dwell with his people, and they will be his people, and he will be their God, and there will be no more pain or suffering or crying or death. Or do they just hear our words and see our actions and then wonder if the Bible says like 365 times that we should fear not? Why would they believe anything that we say? Why? We spend so much of our time living out something different. The church, you and me, are invited to live in hope and not fear. Listen, our God is creating still. He is creating still. It means that somewhere, somehow, we will know love and joy and peace, and blessing without pain, and sadness, and loss, that day is coming. 
That day is coming. Order from chaos. God is not ignorant of the storm that we're going through right now as a world or the storm that you might be going through personally. He is not ignorant of those things. He's in the storm with you. He's in the midst of it. He doesn't say he's going to make all things new. It says he's making all things new right now, today. We're a part of that. So listen, these words are God. Honestly, when I read these words, these words are God holding us, honestly, as we weep. As we look around in the storm that we're in and we begin to to break down because we can't contain it anymore. This is a picture of a, a loving, mothering kind of a God comforting her child. Haven't you ever, haven't you ever gone through something in your life where desperately, even if you wanted to push people away, desperately all you wanted was somebody to come up to you, wrap their arms around you, let them, let you bury your head in their neck as you weep. And for them just to whisper to you, listen, I know. It's going to be okay. It is. Haven't you ever just wanted somebody to do that for you? Listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. These words are God's promise in the storm. The God creates still. Our story begins with creation, where everything is good, Everything is as it should be. And then the storm of sin enters in. The story moves through pain and blessing, through faithfulness and failure, seasons of storm after storm after storm after storm, waves of life just crashing on God's people until in the fullness of time, God came. He entered into the storm literally. He took the waves, and as Jesus faced down the chaos all the way to death, God revealed this eternal hope, and it's that death is defeated. Death will be no more crying, will be no more pain, sickness, devastation. The day is coming where it will be no more. I struggle with hope. I need to be reminded of how deep and how wide and how long God's love is, not just for me, but for us. Us as a church. And then, if I can just be completely honest, I'm completely overwhelmed <laughs> at the task before you and I as the church in the world that we live in today. Listen, if there's any pastor who can tell you exactly what you need to do a year from now, listen, I need to meet that person. We are in the wilderness, okay? And one of the great things in the wilderness is God doesn't leave us or forsake us. He draws us closer to him if we'll listen and obey. Somehow in the chaos, we might accept God's invitation as a church to be a part of what he's creating even still. A community where tears are dried and compassion eases mourning and hope is seen. Even, even in death, there's hope. As we close, this is what I want to do. First of all, I want you to take a moment, just identify where maybe there's some chaos going on in your life. It probably won't take long. Where there, where's there some chaos going on in your life? And then just honestly, you know, where, where's your hope today when it comes to that? 
do you need to be reminded that he's actually with you as you pass through those waters? Do you need your vision lifted beyond your storm to that day when all will be made right and is being made right right now? I just want to read these words again for you. They're not going to be on the screen. I struggle every time I read these words because, again, I struggle with hope. I need these words. These are mine. Just so you know, these are mine. (laughs) This passage is for me. But can I just read these for you? Would you let these be God's embrace for you today? I don't have like three steps we as a church are supposed to take at the end of today. Maybe today, just the point of all of this is, would you just let God's hope wash over you today? Would you stand? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Others, your church today. I pray that these words would just kind of be a a cleansing. That you might use these words of hope and promise to purge our hearts of fear. Purge our hearts, Father, of worry over things that uh, we can't control, but in the end, Father, help us to be purveyors of hope to the world that's around us, uh, to the next generation that receives from us the responsibility of leading your church to the next generation. I pray that they find us faithful in being purveyors of hope, being people who embody what it means to truly live selfless lives for you. At the same time, too, there are people in this room, I know, and people who will be listening online who are just devastated right now because of the storms and the waves, and they just don't stop. They just keep coming. They keep piling up. And Father, I pray somehow in the middle of all of that, you would help confirm in their hearts that you're right there. You haven't gone anywhere. You're right there in the midst of the storm. And as they cry out, do you even care? Father, somehow in the middle of all of that, relate to them that you do care, that you love them enough not to watch from a distance, but actually go through it with them, to be there, holding them in the midst of it, letting them, Father, put their face into your neck, and you saying, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I know. 
I know. Father, thank you for making all things new. And thank you for loving us the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Make sure you stop, grab one of these out there in the foyer, and, uh, and jump on board. Thanks.